0: Welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. This is Christopher here in studio with Matt Flynn. Matt, welcome back. One plus two plus I can't figure it out. <laughs> still, still hung still up on the trying clue. to figure it out. Still trying to figure out the clue. Yeah. Uh, welcome back. We've got a, another fun episode here. We've got a little bit more up front than I think we do actually discuss in the movie today because there's been a lot of little bit of news and there's uh, some events and we've we've seen some films here recently some of the ones that we were looking forward to so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Before we get into all that just re- want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to our podcast by visiting uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio or Google Play and you can also. Or- and you can, of course, go to timeshifterspodcast.com and listen to the show there. I encourage you to join our Facebook group and join in any discussions. That's a really great way to leave a little bit of feedback or uh, comment on any episodes that, as, they, as they post or any subjects we come up with. And, of course, you can email us at timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at timeshifterspod and at moviesatthemat. I've I've been trying to get on Twitter a little bit more here lately, Um, mostly just commenting on, like, Matt's posts, But (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to do it more. I'm trying to remember that Twitter exists. (laughs) So I think with that, we'll um, go into a little bit of news because you came in with a couple of news stories. I've been just out of my brain has not been in the – in, in the news sphere, so I've been a little behind on things. But you came with a few... The news desk. Let's take it to the news desk with Matt Flynn. That's why I like <laughs> Twitter so much. <laughs> um, this came out
1: a couple weeks ago off of Screen Rant that um, Time Warner has been trying to acquire AT&T for some time now. They've been trying to merge with them. And it's been stalled and halted at pretty much every turn, and it's getting to the point that they're frustrated that if they are unsuccessful at acquiring AT&T, they might just start selling off Warner Brothers and DC Comics, not even necessarily together.
0: Wow. That, will God. It, it, if it gets literally chopped up, that would be, I don't know, would you think that would almost be like a death knell to the DC movie universe?
1: I kind of hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> with With... The exception of, of Gal Gadot, um, I don't really mind. I mean, it's been it's been a mess so far. If somebody wants to come along and just wipe the slate clean and start over, I, I almost feel like that's that's the better way to do it at this point. I mean they keep trying to fix it in house and in universe and on the screen and I'm just like it's just messier.
0: Yeah, uh, well, we we shall see. I be surprised I guess that's what the uh I mean, do they figure that's what's costing them the most money? I guess and would get rid of them probably I mean to try to stem the uh, stem the, the the flow I guess of yeah, I mean, money uh.
1: cuz when you're making movies and you're sitting there going wow to make a profit we have to make a billion dollars like you're not yeah. doing it right yeah you know it should be that hey if we just double what the budget was then that should be our profit
0: I wonder what the profit margin is in the comic book world nowadays
1: I think it all depends on the overall budget I think it depends on uh, your marketing, mm-hmm. you know, because like a movie like Deadpool had quite a bit of marketing, but it had really subtle marketing. It just had like a few billboards here and there, and it was able to make its money back really quick.
0: I wasn't even talking about the film. I'm talking about the actual comic books. Oh, oh comic the, books themselves. The, the comic book side. Yeah, the comic book side of it. I, I wonder how much of a money suck that is, or does that make them money still, but how much money and how... How small of a profit margin does it have to go before they go, it's just not worth it anymore? Uh,
1: I don't... I've never looked at the numbers, but I follow a lot of comic book people on Twitter, and what I hear a lot of them say is that sales are actually kind of like... They fluctuate like they always sure, do. Sure, sure. Um, but that it is still profitable. Otherwise, right. you know, they wouldn't be there. They, they'd they be out of work. Um, and that a lot of them also... You know, that's why you kind of see, oh, we're, we're starting this run of fill in the hero's name, and then eight months later it gets canceled. You know, if that thing's not turning the profit that they want, then that's when they cut it.
0: Obviously, I know that it fluctuates. I mean, you know, there was a time, well, obviously back in the 50s, 60s, it was kind of like a uh, heyday of comics, and then they kind of fell a little bit through the 70s, even a little bit into the 80s. 90s was kind of a resurgence, but then you got a lot of. Crap comics, <laughs> yeah. Through the '90s. Um, unfortunately, that's when I was collecting, so I have a whole lot of '90s comics that nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just curious because, yeah, now with the uh, the films being as popular, I wonder, you know, does that does that actually create a um, a want for comics? Do kids, do people go and buy the comics after having seen the films, even though one may not be related to another? I feel like they
1: do because I know there's like a big push now to make the comics look more like the movies. So you've got like the, the Marvel cinematic universe, which is great and everybody loves it. So they kind of got rid of the X-Men from Marvel comics.
0: Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Today's audience and with today's market, I, I would think you'd have to do that. You'd have to tie it in and try to, because, yeah, now it's not – it used to be, you know, you make a movie. You tried to envision the characters, and now it seems to be the way, other way around. The movies just go and they do their thing and then leave everyone else to go back and – Catch retro. up. Retro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So any What else you got there?
1: Well, even though I was just saying that I wouldn't mind if the uh, DC universe got, you know, restructured and just <laughs> scrapped and started over – Um, Off of Twitter, John Francis Daly tweeted out, it's happening with a gif of The Flash running. And he and his partner, Jonathan Goldstein, are apparently going to be the directors of 2020's Flashpoint, the Flash movie. Interesting. And these guys are notable, probably most recent notable work, is they were the writers on um, Spider-Man Homecoming.
0: Oh, well, there you go.
1: So they're definitely talented. Um, They have an eye for, you know, comic book movies. Um. The Flash is, was one of the few funny characters coming out of the Justice League mm-hmm. movie, and it felt natural. It didn't feel like, "Hey, let's just kind of squeeze a joke out of Batman." It's like, Batman's not funny, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, it worked for for the Flash character. And you know, I like what they wrote in Spider Man Homecoming. I don't really know them as directors; they don't have a lot of credits to their name for that. But considering, I think this movie is now on its third set of directors. Uh-huh.
0: We'll see, <laughs> yeah, we'll see, and I take it they'll continue th- with the casting. they'll keep the same guy that they had in the Justice League film yep. All right. mm-hmm. Watch this space, I guess, I think a lot can happen in the next couple of years, right?
1: yeah, and Flashpoint's the kind of movie that everybody's pointing to saying, oh, that's the movie that's that's how they'll redo things, that's how they'll they'll maybe <laughs> even recast uh you know Batman because. Flashpoint is one of those things where, like, time gets changed and everything's different and then time gets set back, but things are still kind of subtly different a la, like, Back to the Future, where he made one small thing, but when he comes back, his parents are completely different. You could maybe say that when Barry Allen comes back from the past, Bruce Wayne looks like a different person slightly. You could even see a joke in there of, like, did you do something with your hair? You look different because you're not Ben (laughs) Affleck anymore.
0: It could yeah. be that. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, we we'll, like I said, watch the space. We'll see. Now, the other thing you mentioned was a uh jumping from superheroes into the into the into space john williams may make this next star wars film his last star wars film as composer
1: yeah so episode nine he's saying would probably be his last and i was surprised that he came back at all Mm -hmm. because my thinking was like oh this is a new star wars for a new generation it's not a reboot but it's 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 about new characters it's you know we're going to use the old characters but it's not about them and so i just kept thinking Great. So different music too. Like let it be its own thing. Right, and when right. I heard John Williams coming back, I'm like, "Oh, so you're still kind of keeping like one foot in that old door."
0: Yeah, so he's going to be kind of the last of the old guard that like, goes along with it. Right. Yeah. And it, so
1: if he's if he's closing out the episodes, if he's closing out episode 9, I'm like, "Okay, good. He's going to be able to go out on his own terms."
0: I'm glad that he's actually the one that's bowing out and it's not Disney or someone going, "Well, we want someone else to, you know." right someone cheaper yes (laughs) you probably don't well yeah at all yeah someone cheaper or just it was kind of one of those things wherever you you have someone that is so connected to something whether it's the you know a voice for an animated character or or something like that and then you know you find out that they really get a, a rough time getting the role you know they have to actually audition for the role that they did for years on television but they don't want him to do it on in, in the film. In this case, a composer. You know, they, oh yeah, yeah, you've done it all those other films, but uh, we got this other guy already in house, and we're good. You know, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> what's the guy that does all the Toy Story films? Uh. Oh, I know who you mean. <laughs> blanking on his name. <laughs> that's that's I had him do Star Wars. Ugh. <laughs> We're out in space
1: and we're flying around. <laughs> You're my friend, the Wookiee. <laughs> that would be how that goes. Exactly. It'd be awful. But yeah, for him to be able to say, I'm I'm ready to hang it up, I'm ready to just to close this out. I think right. good for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you also don't want something you want him to actually ballot retire um if 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 that is indeed what he's going to do is this is going to be the retiring move and not do anything more you want that you don't want someone in the middle of something and then unfortunately pass away right you don't want yeah you just wanted to be on his terms mm-hmm. i guess like you said and it, i think that's fantastic You just at some point there's going to be the film that people are going to go oh well that wasn't the greatest that was his last and it's like well at least at least it was his and it's right. not you know, I, I don't know I'm kind of babbling. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of it is, is you know,
1: how much different music can you really bring to Star Wars at this That's point? That's true. You know, the opening credits song is always going to be that. Right. You know, it That's doesn't... That's always
0: going to be the John Williams score. Right. right. So
1: even if it's somebody else, they're going to be able to come in and just do that again. And right. so... What you really miss yeah, is just sort of like those those more subtle music cues that he mm-hmm. brings. Is you know because he's he was the, he is the kind of person that can look at a scene and go, does this need to be loud or does this just need to be like one violin kind right. of thing? And mm-hmm. so it's the little things that you might miss out on that you
0: probably won't even notice. Right. It's it, it's those moments where okay, is this the point where the Star Wars score should come back in? The kind of or that right. that the, the, the swelling, oh, this is this is important kind of moment. Right. He was really good at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, it'd be interesting. I'd almost wish you could watch Star Wars without the music cues. <laughs> uh, you know, I know <laughs> how In almost any film, honestly, I mean a well-scored film, you'd be probably be surprised at how different of a take you have of that movie without the score because it is it's designed to you know uh, create an emotion with you and and kind of highlight or subdue certain moments and that's what the scores do and you uh, truly talented people are behind it and i'm sure we've seen some poorly scored films where it it doesn't work or it's bombastic and it's like i can't hear what anyone's saying (laughs) yeah and I
1: I remember reading a story I don't know how true it is but it was something to the effect of when the original Star Wars was being made and George Lucas was working with John Williams and and John Williams said look I can do two things for you I can make you this big huge score that's going to break your budget but it's going to enhance your movie Mm -hmm. or I can help you come under budget but it's just going to sort of be noise right and Lucas said let me think about it. And he comes back a few days later and he goes like, John,
0: big. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Go big or go home. Yeah. It will be interesting to see what other people bring to the party in the future films. And like you said, though, I don't know how different they can really make it, how far you can really depart from what John Williams has already, the groundwork that he's already, right. you, can't, you almost can't call it groundwork. I mean, it's kind of. of the foundation yeah (laughs) of the of the franchise yeah and so i think it'll sound the
1: same it'll just sort of be when certain musical Mm -hmm. cues pop up and you know there's a lot of talented people out there that can that still have an eye and an ear for that so i think you know thank you john williams and right off into the sunset and it'll keep going without
0: you and it's okay yeah absolutely well, moving outside of news, we have actually um, seen a few of the films that we were looking for forward to. Uh, the first of which I think we can officially talk about is uh, Black Panther. Yep, yeah. we both saw that one. Yes, great film. I mean, yeah. it, it was a good movie. Yeah, probably one of the best of the Marvel films. I think so. Uh, not the best. I don't. I wouldn't say it's maybe the best, but it's definitely one of the best.
1: Yeah, I put it definitely in the top five. Arguably mm-hmm. top three.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would see that. I, I could see where this could have been if, like, Iron Man didn't exist. This could have been Iron Man. Yeah. It, it was that kind of that level of mm-hmm. film.
1: There are a few things I would have liked to have maybe seen just different. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: this is going to spoil things, but that's okay. Um, I think now that we're, by the time this airs, we're going to be, what, two, three months since it premiered. So yeah, I think so we're if safe. you haven't seen it, it's
1: on you. It is time shifters. Yeah. <laughs> So I would have lo- – I really loved the motivation of Killmonger to be like that angry yes. person and wanting more for his people and want you know representing a group of people. But I would have liked to have seen him get to Wakanda sooner. Mm, I would okay. have liked to have seen him show up to Wakanda like within the first 30 minutes of the movie and have him be the one calmly say – Maybe we should be doing more for people. And maybe he gets into T'Challa's ear a little bit. And it's like, you know, we can go out there. We can show the world. We can defend people. We can help people. But then he slowly starts becoming more and more aggressive about it. And then it just Hmm. becomes this breakdown of like, no, you know what? I'm actually related to you. And I'm challenging you for the throne. Because if you're not going to do it, somebody should. And then there's that more connection to them. Because... When he just sort of shows up and just says, "I want the throne," I'm sitting there like, "This is going to be an easy fight. It's not going to be a conflict for Mm -hmm. T'Challa to have of I have to fight you and potentially kill you." No, you're a bad guy and you're going down. Right. Okay. You know that that was probably like where like some of the stakes were removed. Whereas in some of the movies I put ahead of it, like the Winter Soldier, it is not easy for Steve to go and face Bucky Mm because he knows this is his friend who's not in control of right. his actions.
0: You want it more of a, a wolf in lamb's clothing villain, I guess.
1: I, I wanted more of a connection between the two other okay. than, we're
0: technically related, because that doesn't really
1: up the conflict at all. It just sort of was the plot device of how he was able to take over the throne.
0: All right, no, I see your point. Uh, that being said, though, I like the fact that the who you thought was going to be the big bad of the film wasn't. Sure. But through the first half of that movie... You know, you thought it was going to be um, claw, sure, and suddenly he get, you know, he's dead. He, he's dead, <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> and then there's like, so it's like, and part two, <laughs> right? I I actually kind of like that. I thought that was one of the the highlights of the film. It was just that sort of that, that twist on what you, on on what you expect. Um, and I do like you said, I do like the, um, I guess how. I'm trying to find the right term. His motivation is just much more... It's not like the, uh oh, I have those delusions of grandeur and I want to rule the world. I mean, this is just really just, I'm angry. It's a, it's a more of a visceral motivation. Yeah. And I really like that. I mean, that is something we rarely see mm-hmm. in any of these superhero films. It's always about conquest of the universe or right. something, you know, and this is just... I'm just really pissed off and I'm going to show the world and take back what I think is mine and... That was great.
1: Yeah, and it, he he's the kind of villain that you feel sorry for. He's the kind of villain right. that it's like, you have a good idea, you're just going about it in the worst way. Like, I'm on your side in theory,
0: like, mm-hmm. in, for what you're saying, but not for what you're doing. Yeah. Fast forward, though, that makes me, that, that leads me to the kind of the disappointing conclusion of this character. Right. I thought it was, I mean, in the, in the end, they just, they kill him off. Yeah. I was like, well... At no point does anybody show any remorse for killing this guy, and that's why, why? I wanted that connection. Exactly. I, there, there's even that the moment. There's the big fight, and you know, Black Panther gets the upper hand on him, and he stabs him in the heart, and he says, "Look, we might still be able to kill you." And the guy's like, "Well, I just be in chains," and right. what? they're like, "Well, no. Why would you be in chains? Are you, why is there? A, at no point did you, know, Black Panther, say, well, you know.'" I kind of agree with you, but I think you're just going about the wrong way, so mm-hmm. why don't you help? Right. Let's Help me do it the right way. Right. That never happens. That conversation doesn't happen. It's like it's not even a, a kernel of a thought in anybody's head. And I was like, why wasn't that there? That's true. Like, yeah, why would
1: he be in prison? Because technically everything he did followed the letter of the law. It did. He challenged the throne within his right. Mm-hmm. He thought he won. Everybody thought he won. Right. And then when T'Challa showed back up, it's like, oh, the fight's continuing, like it should. Right. So, yeah, I guess he didn't actually break any laws. For, exactly. You know, as far as Wakanda's concerned, um, it's kind of everybody else who was breaking laws after they realized T'Challa exactly. was alive. A lot of them would be in prison.
0: Yeah, that was another problem I had with the film. If he had to pick out problems or whatever, is there was a whole lot of wholesale of uh, murder of their fellow countrymen mm-hmm. who were just following the orders of their new king. Right. And uh, that kind of sat, that <laughs> did not sit well with me. I guess it was because when they realized
1: the that T'Challa is alive, that the challenge has to continue, and they decided against that because I, I can't remember his name, but it was T'Challa's friend who is upset that his father's death hasn't been avenged. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of holding that grudge and he's using that grudge to lead his people into that into that battle. Right. But that's the connection. Like imagine if that mm-hmm. was the big fight. Imagine if T'Challa had to fight him and it's like, oh, you have to potentially die or kill your friend mm-hmm. over, you know, something that should have been resolved, you know, that wasn't even your fault. It was your father's fault. And you know, so if there was that level of connection between Killmonger and Black Panther It I think that ending would have just been really painful
0: mm-hmm. no absolutely no I agree uh, still you know issues aside it was still a fantastic ride it's just it was fun you know there was humor where there needed to be humor yeah. um, some great action uh, sequences even the CGI was pretty good mm-hmm. uh, I think there's only really a few moments where you could really go woof CGI. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that final fight looked a yes. little rushed. Yeah, it did. It did. And there was a lot of people, a lot of bodies that they had to render and there was a, there was a few times where they looked a little tunish mm-hmm. every now and again. Overall, it's just a great film and the cast is just oh, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um no weak links. Absolutely not. The uh the woman that plays his uh, sister, she's great. <laughs> oh. She, her character, is honestly give her her own movie. Yeah, she was my favorite character. Yes, mine she was too. my absolute favorite character in the entire film. Yeah, fantastic. I,
1: I put on Twitter. Okay, great. After that, when do we get her, uh, the woman that leads the army with uh, <laughs> Black Widow and 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 Scarlet Witch, <laughs> to have their own. Female yes. team up movie. Yeah. I want that movie and put DC's, in a cameo. DC's cameo talking of Jessica about Jessica Jones.
0: DC's talking about doing an all female film. Marvel should do the same thing. And here's your women. You only that. have
1: ten years worth of female <laughs> characters that you've built up.
0: Yeah, absolutely fantastic. She was everything she did. Her, the the amount of um, enjoyment she had and everything that was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just. That, and that was almost infectious cuz you actually kind of got it when she got excited you got excited yes <laughs> it was very cool and they played off together so well
1: it was a very natural brother sister feel to it like yes. you could tell they grew up together they would get under each other's skin they knew how to push each other's buttons it it was perfect
0: and actually i could say that to the whole cast you really you you felt like these people had known each other their whole lives yeah. i mean they would that kind of connection between all the characters was really impressive And a lot of that, I think, has to go to, you know, A, the writing and, of course, the directing, too. Yes. Uh, Just phenomenal on all all counts. Yeah,
1: Ryan Coogler is a phenomenal director. I know he's worked with Michael B. Jordan before. I think they're working on another movie in a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, excellent work all
0: around. A movie I did not get to see, you just recently saw. We're going to go ahead and talk about it now. Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. So every time a but trailer... you're a boy, you sure you wanted to see that? <laughs> oh my god, that tweet you you someone, oh you who, saw who that was, one? Who, was, who was it? I it can't remember it? her name. Yeah, it was about the the posters because poster. it was all women and it had pastel colors and don't little don't they want little boys to see this? Yeah. Why are you saying that?
1: I said that that tweet was so dumb I thought it was parody and it turns out she was just an idiot. Mm -hmm. I don't remember her name and even if I did I wouldn't want to put it on air. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was was terrible. But no, I was excited to see – well, not excited because every – I was excited when I first heard about it. And every time a new trailer came out, I got less excited because the trailers kept telling me less and less about the movie, and they just kept showing doesn't this look nice? Doesn't that look nice? Mm-hmm. That, unfortunately that's what the movie is. Really? Yeah, it, it really it cuts a lot of meat off the bones. It felt rushed. Um, it felt clunky. They were pacing issues. Um, they kept shoehorning things in from the book, but also cutting a lot of things out from the book. It really felt as though that if you didn't just read the book or have a strong memory of it, you weren't going to be able to follow it very well. And I don't have that strong a memory of right. it. Um, it does not set up like it doesn't definitively set up a next movie. You could see, yeah, they could have another adventure, but it doesn't end like the book does on a clear cliffhanger. It ends resolved. Hmm. But it just it just sort of had things in it because like' cause it was in the book, and okay, so like the whole sequence when they fly on uh Mrs. what's It's Back doesn't really serve a purpose in the movie. They did it because it was in the book, though,
2: uh-huh,
1: and it's just a lot of that, and I wanted more detail, I Sweet. wanted more character development, I wanted more reason to understand this universe. Rather than just being told the universe, the light, the darkness, the universe, the light, the darkness.
0: Gotcha. Wow. I probably have even less of a memory of the book than <sighs> you do. Uh so yeah, I'm really wondering if this is just would just be a uh it's a, collection a mind scenes. trip for me. Yeah.
1: It's not even a mind trip. Like I've seen movies like that where it's like this is beautiful and there's not much to it, but it's at least fun to look at. This was just it was Scene after scene of pretty planet after pretty planet. And you and, felt like you were just watching a prolonged screensaver. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. You know, it looked nice, but you, you're not telling me anything about it. You're not taking me through anything. Like, And
0: for the characters, I think it only takes a few hours for them to get through everything. Hmm. Uh, that's uh, a little disappointing. I was hoping that this would be sort of the uh, the quiet one that you know maybe doesn't look. I don't know, but oh, it was fantastic. Uh, doesn't mm. sound like that's the case.
1: Unfortunately, not not in
0: my opinion. And I uh,
1: I avoided all reviews for it when I went and saw it, and then when I came back and checked out the reviews, I'm not alone in this thinking. It's got mm. like a three and a half out of ten on IMDb. It's at like forty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So. A lot of people are kind of feeling the same thing that it really just lacks detail, and yeah, that was that was just kind of what I kept thinking. Like, there needs to be a lot more to this. Mm-hmm. It either needed to be half an hour longer, or it needed to be like two one and a half hour movies, because it's not a long book, but it's a dense book. Sure, sure. And they kind of glossed over a lot of things, now, that's or skipped it altogether.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll probably skip this in the theater, though. Um, but it'll, I'll probably still. It'll be a watch at home video, I think, for me, and uh, we'll we'll see if my opinion is any, you know the same or or different or worse or. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you uh, avoided reviews and stuff of the uh, Red Sparrow? The, I've, I've avoided
1: like reading them, but I have. Heard not good things in an overall sense. Mm-hmm. I'll probably still go see it because I try to see everything that I want to see. Right. Especially having Movie Pass allowing me to do that. It's just a matter of can I get it to it before it comes out of theaters.
0: Make sure you s- schedule plenty of time because apparently it's almost three hours long. That's fine. I'll go out, like, on a <laughs> Monday at one o'clock or something. Okay, that's the one of the big criticisms. I, I haven't read a lot. I did listen to a podcast of uh, where they they reviewed it. And uh, they thought that had they trimmed it down to a 90-minute, they would have had a spectacular film. Sure. So they really had an issue with the length because they just felt there wasn't enough there to warrant the uh, two hours and 40 minutes. I think it is wow. something like that. I think that's what they said. So, so yeah, um, yeah, that might be one that I'll still again won't do the theater. I'll probably at this point not for two. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> That's going to be a home video. Maybe split between a couple nights. <laughs> sure. Or maybe a. Uh, you know, there's always the. Uh, they released a home video. You always see like the extended cut. Maybe they'll have the. Uh, <laughs> the That's abbreviated half hour. <laughs> the abridged. <laughs> the Cliff Notes version of a movie. Yeah, we'll see. Reviews though, uh, despite the length of the film, were very positive for Jennifer uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, they definitely thought that she was fantastic and they felt that it was her film I mean, sure. she was making statements throughout the film kind of with everything that's kind of gone on in her life and her mm-hmm. friends lives and everything and so but they're concerned that that will be lost because of the uh, everything else yeah. everything else less than favorable reviews and the time and everything so definitely makes me want to kind of see it for myself I guess for my to get my own take on it but it's gonna to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> anything else that you got to see that we looked forward to? Not yet. Okay, I have not. You know, I haven't uh, had a chance to get out and see anything else. Um, not for lack of wanting, but because uh, uh, Annihilation is definitely I may be out of theaters now. I mean, no, it's still in. Theaters. Is it okay? Yeah. Good. I swear, I might have missed that. Weekends have just been kind of full here lately, Sure. and uh, it, it's tough to find the the time I want to do the uh, the matinees or something to just you know cut the cost down a little bit in right. the crowds. So, uh, so I haven't had it. The weekends have been full, so I haven't had a, a lot of chance. Speaking of full weekends, uh, yesterday I went down to Lexington to the Lexicon Comic and Toy Con. Had a um, mediocre time. Oh, bummer. <laughs> uh, um, this con, I have seen better crowd and tra- crowd traffic control in first-year cons. Wow. I mean, it was... It's just absolutely awful. Was it just like a free for all? Was like anybody directing anything? No. Wow. At least when you first walk in, um, first of all you 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 park, you gotta wind your way. It was down at the uh like the Lexington Convention Center, it's right next to Rupp Arena. In fact, uh a bunch of the stuff wasn't in Rupp Arena. So I went down, you finally get in the convention center and it's just chaos. It's just a Jeez. big mass of people. And believe it, this was like eleven o'clock in the morning. It only opened at ten. Wow. <laughs> and this is eleven o'clock and it's just this giant mass of people. No one's really sure where to go. They have some signage saying that, you know, this is on level A, this is on or level three, this is on level two, this is on level one. But it's like, what level am I on? Right. Where's an arrow uh-huh. uh, and then I we I found more signs that say, Nope, don't go here unless you've got your badge. I'm like, where do you go to get your badge? So you gotta go all the way up to level three to get your badge. So you get up there, find your way through the crowd, find your way up the escalators, well, stairs, because some of the escalators were out of order. Oh, wow. You finally get up there. I'm looking around because I'm supposed to pick up my pass, you know, from the uh, from the pre-registration. And I'm like, I finally see a staff member. I'm like, I'm supposed to pick up a press pass. Am I going in the right direction? He's like, yeah, you're fine. Okay, good. Get through security because all the cons have security now, the metal detectors mm-hmm. and stuff. Finally, get to the point. Oh, look! And then, then there's the turnstiles. You know, the actual back yeah. and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Which you just walk through because the massive crowd is outside. <laughs> it's just like you don't even need the turnstiles. So, if a back and forth, 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 you, know, you have to feel like you have to walk a mile to get oh. through the turnstiles to get to this to the registration booth. Finally, I got my pass. Back, uh, and I have a room up on the third floor. With a couple uh, couple artists, um, maybe a, a, an author or something, a few vendors, whatever. But the main floor is down on the second level. So, fine. Go back down there. More security. Got to go through that. Then we get to the main floor. And, okay, it's a con. I get it. It's the exhibitor floor. It's going to be crowded. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that crowd. The issue I have is they had the main exhibitor floor, and then connected to that is Rep Arena. And to get there, you have to go through a uh, effectively a service hallway, which is a big hallway. Don't get, I'm not saying it's small. It's probably you know the big like oversight. You've been convention centers, yeah. the big oversized garage doors where they mm-hmm. can so they pull in the trucks and the equipment and whatever. Right. So it's that size. The hallway is maybe twenty yards long, and then within this hallway, everyone has to funnel to get into the arena, or funnel out to get out of the arena. In the middle of the hallway is a little offshoot room where they have all the photo ops. So you have one, two, three, four. I mean, you have effectively like six flows, you know, traffic flows all going through this hallway. Wow. And the best they got is someone on a loudspeaker going, stay to the right and keep moving. (laughs) Really? That's all you got. (laughs) It was horrendous. I mean, I, I mean, I've... as the day went on, it got a little easier because the crowds went down a little sure. bit. And, you know, Friday was supposedly a lot easier, but then most of the celebrities weren't even there on Friday. Right. And I'm sure Sunday was probably even a little easier for just lower attendance numbers. But on Saturday, in the highlight of the, you know, the thick of it, it was it was maddening. It was really rough.
1: Yeah, I, I have read different things, different horror stories about how, like, you know, some cons are just so, like, mismanaged and whatnot. And I, I'm always like, have you ever been to one? Like, the people who run that one, like, terrible one. Like, did you go to one? Did you talk to anybody? Yeah. Did you ask about the do's and don'ts? Or did you just think, hey,
0: I can do that, throw a bunch of stuff in a big room, and it'll take care of itself? Well,
1: no, it won't.
0: Well, I, obviously, I wasn't the only one that was disappointed with these, you know, these this sure. log jam. I talked to a couple of the other attendees and, uh, one young man I talked to, this is like the third time he'd been there and said, this was the worst that he's ever seen. And I was asking, I was like, so, well, what's changed? Is it, do you think it's just better attended this year? Is it the amount of the exhibitors, the amount of guests? And he's like, yes, mm-hmm. honestly, it was a little bit of everything. They had so many guests, um, disappointing a number of comic guests i mean comic is in the name of your con sure. and they had maybe a dozen comic guests and they probably had two dozen actual like media celebrities including some big names like chuck norris oh wow and uh billy d williams uh john Berryman
2: you know oh wow big draw there
0: yeah big draw names and then throw on uh, Jonathan Frakes, uh, Kevin Sorbo, um, mm. uh, what's her name, uh, Tara. Does Tara a, Strong. Tara Strong. Okay. A few other voice actors. They had a whole section. They had like four or five uh, old uh, uh, WWE wrestlers. Um, you know, down there. I mean, they they played to a lot of <laughs> <Different>, <laughs> a lot of yeah. fandoms. Uh, all. The, and then of course the exhibitors, lots of toy sellers. Lots of artists, actually, some really great artists. That's gotten to be my big thing when I go to these cons. Is I like just looking at all the artwork, and then obviously some authors and stuff. So they were playing to a lot of different fandom, and everybody of every everybody came too big. And it was it it was I mean I believe it was a huge amount of space, and they were actually too big for the space. Sure. So so yeah, just based on crowds, it's just. You know, if I ever go again, yeah, I'll go on a Sunday morning <laughs> after everything's gone and all yeah. the good stuff's been bought. Mm-hmm. But at least you have some elbow room, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you did. You felt like sort of like a uh, just going with the flow. You're, just, and then if you tried to go anywhere else that wasn't in that direction, you were like you went, from, you turned into a trout <laughs> or a salmon swimming upstream, and uh, it was it was a little rough. Trying to get anywhere near the celebs was almost impossible just because of the crowds. I uh, wasn't gonna sit there and wait in all the lines to find out that they oh they weren't doing interviews or anything, so didn't really come out with anything other than a few photos. Um, I did buy a game okay. while I was there. This game created by Harebrain Design. They did a they created their own little trivia game called Shit for Brains. <laughs> it's just a, a it's just, kind of game. It's just a trivia game. Um, it's a pretty simple play you know they recommend you know two or more teams um they think two is probably enough just for you know making it quick right they've got trivia cards uh, with six categories they just say you know roll a die um, and that tells you your category first person to get one card from ever or one card one answer right from every category wins the game okay Simple, yeah. Very, very plain and simple. Then they, they they suggest other a couple other variations that you can play and you know whatever, and they make it fun. But um, if you want to just give you an idea, of the, the the questions, just number one through six, three. So that would be we'll we'll say that that is uh, crime and death is the category. Good luck, me. Yeah. <laughs> Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge movement in Cambodia. People wearing what nerdy accoutrement were murdered as it signified being an academic and or intellectual? Can I phone a friend? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. That would be eyeglasses. Okay. (laughs) The other categories here are uh, America. America. (laughs) Drugs, man. (laughs) Nature calls and sexy time and bodily functions. Okay. All right. Just let's see what other that that first
1: one almost seems out of place with the rest of them.
0: It does a little bit. Let's see what the the card I have in my hand here. Sad state of affairs. Which southern U.S. state is so often ranked dead last in standard of living metrics and standard of living metrics that other low-ranking states have adopted the phrase "Thank God for Arkansas, Mississippi." Oh, you took a shot at Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it uh, just it I just saw it. I, I saw some of the 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 trivia, the the questions that it was asking. I thought that just sounds like that would be kind of fun to play yeah. with. Uh, we've got a, a coworker that's got like just a uh, '80s trivia calendar, you know, daily trivia, and when it's gotten to, gotten to be the thing when everyone gets there. She'll read the trivia. We'll see if we can get it. So I figured this not safe for work trivia game would be perfect to take to work. Yeah. <laughs> Trivia games are fun. The
1: one drawback is after a while you've memorized the answers.
0: Sure. I mean fortunately they did a it's a pretty big box yeah. so it won't wear thin too quick, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, eventually you eventually you just have you to know what the answers are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, anyway, uh hairbrain design, look it up, shit for brains. Uh they have a lot of really weird kind of stuff, but they it was a fun booth. So might want to check those check those guys out. Very good, we did get a letter from uh peter Quint. you've actually he asked this actually on the Facebook group, and you and you uh, actually answered it there, but um I just give you a chance to do it on the podcast. He says uh, Chris and Matt, I wanted to be cool like Floyd and sent an email. <laughs> he asked about uh Batman and Harley Quinn. He said he just finished it, and he was wondering uh our opinions. His thoughts are mixed while as an adult, I know that's always in debate. I found it very funny and generally laughed out loud a number of times. However, being PG-13, it's clearly not made for kids. My hope is that there are enough kid-friendly versions of the Marvel DC universes that parents have a variety of choices, and films like this one can be shelved until a later time. So, thanks for all your hard work. So, yeah, you kind of answered this on uh, on the group. You've not seen it. I've not seen it. I actually saw some trailers and thought, interesting enough that I kind of wanted to check it out. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of waiting to see if it eventually will go to Prime so I can watch it for free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I've seen different clips of it, and what I said on the group was just those clips did not inspire me to want to seek it out. It did. I didn't think they were bad. I just thought they were there. Um, and he's right that it definitely has more of a PG-13, less for kids, more for adults feel to it. There's this scene where Harley Quinn successfully seduces a handcuffed nightwing. Mm-hmm. Um weird. Yeah. <laughs> um I always thought that the animated universe struck that balance so well as perfectly safe for kids, but very deep for adults. Like mm-hmm. that's what Mask of the Phantasm does. And when you kind of skew to one side, you lose the other. And so what I saw was, is what was doing it. Even though I'm on the side, it's skewing towards, you're kind of losing me because that's not what I'm in for. I'm in for something that walks that line, has something to say, but doesn't rely on being for adults
0: to be entertaining. So in general, are you kind of, I don't hate to use the word against, but kind of not a big fan of the idea of a PG-13 animated film? particularly maybe with these characters of the of the well-known Marvel or DC characters.
1: I think it kind of depends where you like what gets it to PG-13 because one of my favorite animated movies is Batman Beyond Return of the Joker and what made that PG-13 is there's just a couple of scenes that are incredibly violent. Um there's like Robin, Tim Drake's Robin gets completely psychologically tortured and right. turned into a mini Joker that works. Mm-hmm. That that I got really pulled into. Whereas something like Harley Quinn having sex with Nightwing that just seems like it was somebody's fantasy that they put into a movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it.
0: Okay. Yep, no fair enough. All right, I just wanted to get your opinion and get your opinion on that on the uh, the PG-13 thing and everything here on the podcast. So, hopefully Pete will uh, have his answer and uh, maybe eventually I'll get around to actually watching it myself. Sure. <laughs> We'll go ahead and uh, take a little break here. We'll listen to a commercial for another podcast. When we get back, we're going to talk about 1976's Murder by Death.
2: Hey, comic book fans, I'm Joe Stuber, producer and host of Comic Book Central, where each and every week I welcome a legendary talent to the Comic Book Central lair to talk about bringing comic books to life. Greetings,
3: true believers.
2: This is Stan Lee. When do you think the Academy is going to wise up and create a special Oscar category for best cameo?
3: I don't know. They're just asleep on their feet. Maybe your show, maybe this interview will be the turning point.
2: Hi, this is Jamie Alexander, the Asgardian warrior Sif from Thor.
3: I went to Marvel. They said, hey,
1: sit down. We want to talk to you about this
3: part. So what happened was I had a
1: knife in my purse. I set the purse on the chair and it fell off. And the knife fell out. And then they were
3: like, oh, God, you really are Lady (laughs) Sif.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one, the only, William Shatner. There's all these rumors out there that you're going to be in the next Star Trek film.
3: Well, I like to be in it. You know, I don't want to be a gratuitous character like
2: scrubbing the uh, the windows on the enterprise or something there's a guy on the wing chris pine says there's a guy on the wing (laughs) catch the very latest episodes at the website comicbookcentral.net subscribe to the show on itunes like it on facebook follow it on twitter and be sure to join me each and every week for Comic Book Central. This is John Reese davis
3: Hi, everyone. This is Summer Glau. Hi, this is Trisha Helfer, number six from Battlestar Galactica. Hey, this is Dean Kane, Superman from Lois and Clark, and you're listening to Comic Book Central. Where comic books come to life. Excelsior. I don't feel good about this. There's a number on the wall for all of us angels. Neil Simon's murder by death. Meanwhile, a short, sinister man who looks exactly like Truman Capote is preparing a diabolical weekend for the greatest detectives in the world. Sidney Wang. Don't I think, Pop? Perfect place for a murder. Conversation uh, like a television set on Honeymoon, unnecessary. Dick and Dora Charleston. Yeah, would you walk around the other way? My leg tends to look like a tree in this fog. Sam Diamond. I think we picked ourselves a queer bird, Angel. Anything else? He has no pinkies. No pinkies? You mean Twain has only got eight fingers?
2: No, no, he's got ten. He just doesn't have any pinkies.
3: As we join them, our five clue persons and their faithful companions are trapped in a mysterious old mansion where a fiendishly ingenious crime is about to take place. The victim is here at this very table at this very moment. And so too, ladies and gentlemen, is the murderer. It's the most stupid theory I ever heard. One of us is a mat killer not to be trusted. I hope he knows how to stop that thing. Returning to the kitchen. Who are you? The blind butler encounters the dumb cook. (laughs) Oh. You must be the new kitchen maid. And what has happened to the butler? The cook.
2: Where's the cook? Two
3: minutes to midnight. (laughs) Gunshots, monsieur. Gunshots, Pop. Gunshots, sir. Gunshots, Dickie. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I like it, but do not understand it. That can only mean one thing. And I don't know what it is. It means, are these five monumental minds any match for Murder by Death? Eileen Brennan, Truman Capote, James Coco, Peter Falk, Alec Guinness, Elsa Lanchester, The murderer is... David (laughs) Niven, Peter Sellers, Maggie Smith, Nancy Walker, Estelle Winwood, and Myron? Who is the one who done it in the number one who done it? Neil Simon's new comedy,
0: Murder by Death
2: should make exciting weekend.
0: Now, this is a movie that I suggested, and I have to kind of explain why. <laughs> when I was watching Clue, it kept reminding me of Murder by Death. I can see why. Okay, good. Absolutely. Because, yeah, rewatching Murder by Death again, which is a film I've seen several times, uh, but it's probably been maybe five years since I've seen it last. Watching it again, I found there, like, doesn't remind me of Clue. It doesn't go the other way. So I found myself kind of having to sort of justify my thinking of murder by death while watching Clue <laughs> while I was watching Murder by Death. Uh, but there is the, – the connections is a little bit more tenuous than I re, than I was really originally thinking. Mm-hmm. But it is there. You've got the great sort of uh, – the, the dark, scary house. Right. You've got a group of interesting characters. You've got a weird murder that makes no sense, and you got guys trying to solve and figure out this murder, and then the end is similar to Clue in that there are maybe multiple solutions. Right. <laughs> I think uh, this is the first time you've seen this. One.
1: Yes, this was the first watch for me, and right away I knew I was going to like it because I did when I saw written by Neil Simon. Yes never seen a movie based on his work that I didn't think was great. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of The Odd Couple, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of other things he's done that I'm a
0: fan of. So this I was like, cool, I know I'm at least in for a good movie. And this was one too that apparently he was actually on set, to did yeah. rewrites and stuff too. So like it every wasn't day. just it wasn't just something that
1: he wrote and passed on its way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he was like a big fan of this. Apparently he was there for the table read. And it was so much fun for everybody that it it sounded more like he was on set because he didn't want the fun to stop. (laughs) Then it was just like, yeah, he was doing rewrites. He was doing his job. But I think he just wanted to keep that going for himself. So good for him. Uh, It was directed by Robert Moore, who I looked up. Doesn't have a lot of directing credits to his name. He died in 1984. I would have liked to have seen more from him. Um, sure. I, I'm surprised that, you know, like, with something like this, with a big cast,
0: this cast is amazing. This is a who's who, who yeah. of, well, let's say, 50s, 60s, 70s movie stars. Right. But, like, they are, like,
1: way bigger than what you were dealing with than Clue. Like, yeah. Clue was a lot of character actors and people you hadn't really heard of yet. This was the total opposite. This, yes. This is insane, this cast. Um You've got Eileen Brennan. You've got Truman Capote, kind of playing himself. Yeah, <laughs> um, James Coco, Peter Falk, Alec Guinness, um, Elsa Lanchester, David Nevin, Peter Sellers as probably the most dated, unfortunate oh, yes. R- yes. racial stereotype ever. Yes, this is this is not if this is not a politically correct film. Yeah, not his role. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Maggie Smith, Nancy Walker, Estelle Winward, James Cromwell, who looked 12. (laughs) Yeah, I think he
0: was credited as Jimmy Cromwell. Okay. (laughs) And uh,
1: Richard uh, Narita. This wonderful cast from top to bottom. Yeah, absolutely. I'm amazed I never had heard of it until you told me about it. Yeah,
0: I'm a little surprised just because I know, you know you're know a little bit more in just all kinds of films, and you kind of follow an actor. If you see something that you like, yeah. you know, kind of follow them along, and I'm amazed that this one didn't come up, especially right. with, I mean, Alec Guinness, my God.
1: <laughs> at the beginning, in the middle, at the end. Like, I was sad when the butler got killed off because I was like, on no more Alec Guinness. And then he showed back up and I was like,
0: Yay. Yeah, he apparently had a lot of fun with this. Right. Uh Neil Simon apparently one of the things I read is he was on set and he was offering rewrites if need be, and he even like went to Guinness. I'm like, look, I can do something better for it. Guinness is like, No, the kidness is great. I'm having a ball. Yeah. They're like, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, supposedly uh Alec Guinness had actually just received a script of Star Wars, yeah, and was, and was reading, reading it.
1: it in between takes, and he was probably thinking to himself, "I don't want to go do this, <laughs> but I will." Yeah,
0: what the heck? They'll pay me.
1: Uh, yeah, and it
0: was—it's
1: it, a lot like Clue in that there's different kinds of humor, there's different kinds of gags, there's mm-hmm. clever writing, there's you know things flew across like the 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 outline of the feet. Yes. <laughs> when the statue fell, like, oh, we were standing right where were we were yeah. supposed to. It's like, okay. He even got the shoe size right. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, press the doorbell, you hear the scream, someone's in trouble. No, no, that's the doorbell. Try it again. Um, even though Peter Sellers, um, Mr. Wang. Sidney Wang. Sidney Wang. Let's
0: back up a little bit okay. here. And for anyone who hasn't seen the film, just give, give an idea of the, the, the premise. The idea is the greatest... Um, literary detectives have been invited to this house. Slightly F- renamed. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, for dinner and a murder. So we have a collection of people that are all sort of uh, versions of like some of the famous detectives. Uh, instead of uh, you know, uh, Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, we have Jessica Marbles. Yes. Uh, instead of you know, Hercule Poirot, we have... Um, Milo Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Instead of Sam Spade, we have Peter Falk as Sam Diamond. Yes. And then, yes, Peter Sellers. Instead of Charlie Chan, we have Detective Sidney Wang. Wang <laughs> is well, in the wing, yes. <laughs> and then uh, Peter Niven is uh, is kind of take off of, like, the Thin Man series. Um, and so he's, they're the Charlestons. So we got all these guys coming together, and they are just fantastic versions of you know we got you know the Sam Diamond, the hard boiled you know big city de- or detective, you know, and the Charleston's are all the prim, the proper, the 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 rich. Sidney Wang, yeah, Peter Sellers as the Chinese detective, the Fu Manchu kind mm-hmm. of detective, which with broken it, <laughs> with his broken what that is the greatest part with his broken English that he keeps getting grief from from truman capote yes <laughs> where are your articles and prepositions who is the is the victim that what i said who victim
1: <laughs> and even though that is a poorly aged character his character was my favorite because i think he had the best lines mm-hmm. I, I just love that line about like you know conversation in the car is a lot like tv on a honeymoon, the honeymoon. <laughs> there's no point not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> He had so many great lines. Um, Just wish it was done with the character that you don't have to, like, wince at.
0: Well, I think maybe a few of the French folk probably have a problem with uh, James Coco's (laughs) portrayal there. That's true.
1: I I can definitely, I'm, I'm surprised I hadn't heard of this movie before that no one brought it up, especially as, like, I was, you know, doing some reading on Clue that nobody said, this seems almost like Clue just took right from it. Mm-hmm. But nobody's ever, like, really come out and made that that definitive connection before, at least not that I ever came across.
0: Kind of looking at when we were looking at Clue, I was looking through some trivial this and yeah. that, and I was, I was looking for something where someone that was like, oh, was a big fan of Neil Simon's murder by death. Right. Or, yeah. It doesn't play like that
1: at all, even mm. though it's the same premise. Yeah. It's a bunch of people gathered at a house for a murder. Yeah. Um, but where it differs from Clue is, in Clue, the murder happens pretty early in the movie. Then mm-hmm. it's about figuring it out. Whereas in this, it's an hour of setup. They're told a murder's going to happen. It happens, and then you're in the last 30 minutes of the movie. Right. And so that's kind of like, I remember being like, how much time is left? Only 30 <laughs> minutes. Okay. I guess they'll solve it pretty quick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which yeah. was kind of the joke of the movie. Exactly. Exactly and that's one of the things that they they come up with i mean to kind of spoil a little bit you know truman capote is the the host of this thing and he's brought these all these people together to prove that he's actually the greatest mind he's the greatest criminologist because he he blames all these guys for the the ridiculous novels they they bring up you know some c- some clue that they've withheld through you know the whole story, <laughs> the whole story, and the final chapter to solve it, and they introduce characters in the last few pages to solve the crime. You're actually his sister. Yeah, they, <laughs> they didn't
1: mention a sister. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a great joke, though. Mm-hmm. It of, was. It's fantastic. You know, because that was actually kind of one of my problems with Murder on the Orient Express, which is based on the Agatha Christie character right. of oh. There's no clues for us to follow along with. You're just sort of realizing who someone is all of a sudden. And that's what this movie was making fun of. It's Uh like, okay, that's
0: kind of great. Yeah, it's a great. I I think this is where this movie first came up in our conversations when we were talking about spoof films. Yeah. And I I think this kind of does that. It kind of throws the whole mystery novel and the mystery film. And it kind of throws a pie in its face. Yeah. (laughs) Very well, too. It does. I think it's very intelligent. Mm -hmm. And there's so many little gags.
1: I love the gag of the blind butler. Yes. Like, right from the start, they let you know what kind of movie it is. is He's licking the stamps, and he's placing each one on the envelope, and then you see he's putting them on the table.
0: Yeah, he's completely (laughs) missed the envelopes. Right.
1: Let alone the fact that none of the envelopes actually has an address on them. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the name and then, like, what city they live in. No zip
0: code, no address. You know, they they play up the blind butler gag a couple times, really good. You know, yeah. spent, like at the door, he's greeting people and like, uh, "We're already inside." And, oh, oh, let man. me just shut the door, and he just slams it against the wall all <laughs> the way open.
1: And then the deaf and mute maid shows up, and <laughs> they don't know that they can't understand each other. Uh-huh. I am Yetta. To... <laughs> well, no, this holding... note was
2: written for me by <laughs>
0: I don't read English. Someone else wrote this for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's got some fantastic gags. And yeah, and then in the end, the solution is just, it's ridiculous and outrageous. And it's like, it's okay. Yeah. Because that's what this is. That's what this
1: movie is. And it kept building that up of like, there's a different room. Because if you close the door and open it again, the room is, everyone's in it. Then you close it again, everyone's not in it. Mm -hmm. The maid was a
0: dummy the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. You know, you could say, you know, with Peter Sayles as the yellow face, it almost still works as being the parody because yeah. that's what, you know, the old Charlie Chan films. And that's the way these things were done. Sure. You know, they didn't hire the Asian actors. They right. painted someone else to look like, you know, the, the Japanese or the Chinese men or whatever. So you could still say that this is just sort of a, uh, you know... A, a parody or a um, you know making a statement about those films. I mean, I think it still holds. I don't find it offensive because it's done in the comedy, and right. I think you're you're supposed to be kind of Ooh, about yeah, it. You're <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be a little offended by it. Yeah, I agree. I think that. I think that was the intent even in uh, in '76. Sure, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't bother me as much as right. uh, as I think it, uh, some reviews I've read and uh, and heard it does bother people a lot and it takes them out. And I'm like, eh, I I think it's still okay. I think it works. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that's why he ended up being my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Peter Falk, like
0: right behind him, he yes. was wonderful. Oh my god, he was fantastic. My favorite moment in the beginning of the film. Him and Eileen Brennan. You know, is, Eileen Brennan plays his, you know his secretary, Mrs. Skeffington. And they're driving and they run out of gas. Yes. And he sends her off to get the gas. I saw a gas station
1: five miles ago. All right. I want
0: you to know I'll be here when you get back. Yeah. <laughs> and then later she's, she's like, like, Why
1: didn't you tell me we needed oil? I had to go
0: back again. I gave you a 20. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted, I, wanted my, I wanted to make sure I got my change. Like, don't you trust me? Last time I trusted a dame, I sent her out for wine. Two hours later, the Germans walked into Paris. <laughs> What? <laughs> I
3: thought
1: that was a wonderful line. It was fantastic. It? Like, I kind of want to use that somewhere. I don't know how, but I want
0: to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was definitely yeah second place. Yeah, I think absolutely goofy little one-liners. There's the the prolonged gags. There's one-liners. The the whole thing with and Capote making fun of Wang for his the way he talks. Mm-hmm. All fantastic. Everybody was great in this, and it was also
1: just fun to see a young Maggie Smith. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Who's almost unrecognizable, but she's really funny too cuz she kept like chiming in. I think I have it figured out. No you don't.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. Honey, the 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 men, you know, the men are talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is business. <laughs> right. Yeah, I refuse to talk to wives. <laughs> <laughs> Again, see that's where I think the 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 parody portion and the sort of uh, making a statement on the pre on what right. came before plays in, and I think that's how you have to look at a lot of the uh, lot right. of the stuff, because that's exactly what was going on. Yeah, it's not
1: coming up with those things. It's pointing out how ridiculous it is. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. When I suggested this, I said, no, we need to watch this, and I think you're you know, and once you watch it, you'll understand why I'm glad that you were able to make the connection as easy yeah. as, I, as I was remembering it was, because right. honestly, after watching it, I'm like, well... Not exact. <laughs> no, it's definitely not a, a carbon copy or anything. But mm-hmm. it, it, I mean,
1: it's it's the murder house comedy Who Done It. You know, there's only so many things you can wedge into that that wouldn't make you think of Clue. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I also was reading that there was a cut scene mm-hmm. where Sherlock Holmes and Watson show up to kind of like make the final deduction. Mm-hmm. But apparently, a lot of the actors thought that they were getting upstaged. By this like last cameo, hmm. and they were the think, ones that demanded it
0: cut. I think what I read there was a there was a scene that actually showed up in the uh, broadcast version, right? Where after they're all leaving the house, mm-hmm. um, Wang and his uh, adopted number three son yes. <laughs> drive by, and they pass a car which have a very Sherlock Holmes and Watson looking person driving it, mm-hmm. and the and the son asks, "Well, shouldn't we tell them that you know it was?" all fake or whatever and like oh let idiot figure it out for himself <laughs> <laughs> okay and that's where the uh the scene was okay. that's what i've read what was going on there was a few scenes here and there that were cut uh peter sellers was supposedly a also played a taxi driver that drops one of the characters off but they yeah. decided to eliminate that i think what they ended up with was great i think the you know the dvd version whatever it is you know is the way to go mm-hmm. it, it's absolutely fine and I even like that final twist of it wasn't Truman Capote; it was the maid all along, <laughs> yes. and she could speak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, great gags. I would recommend. You know, we've kind of made some spoilers here, but hey, it's a you know 1976 film, right? right. It's Neil Simon. It's not like it's been hidden. <laughs> it's yes. not a hidden gem. It, uh, it's out there. Uh, I d- definitely recommend going and watching it because even us spoiling it isn't going to give away. As much fun as I think you can have watching it. No, not at all. And it's great. It's, it's the who's who's of uh, of actors. It's fantastic talent all around. The last appearance of uh, Estelle Winwood. Yeah. And then uh, you, any monster kids here, here's your, your connection. You heard Matt say her name uh, earlier. Elsa Lanchester from uh, Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> you know, is Miss Marbles, who's... That adorable little woman. I love her. Yeah, I've seen her in a few things. She's great and everything. Mm-hmm. The only one I really didn't know anything about was the, was the James Coco. Oh, I keep saying uh, Maggie Smith. I said Helen Miram. I, I, oh. I keep saying Helen Miriam, Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. Sorry. Yeah, James Coco is the only one I really, really wasn't familiar with. Yeah, everyone else is just fantastic. I mean, we got a couple Oscar winners in here, and we got Dame. <laughs> uh, just an incredible, incredible group of talent. Okay, folks, that's going to do it. Any feedback or anything, send it to Podcast at gmail.com. Join us on the Facebook group and follow us on Twitter. Again, that's at Pod and at Movies at the Matt. Matt, thanks again for a fun conversation. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Until then, see you all later. Bye.